Welcome to the Volunteers State. I'm Blake Topmeyer alongside the Knoxville News Sentinels, John Adams and Adam Sparks. Tennessee is on the, the path to recovery this week after uh, things did not go particularly well for Tennessee down in Athens on Saturday. 27-13 loss that for about three quarters of the game felt like it, it could have been worse before Tennessee tacked on a, a late touchdown. And so now uh, Tennessee looks to, to bounce back this weekend against Missouri. But probably the bigger storyline for, for Tennessee is where they are at in the college football playoff rankings. They're, they're ranked number five this week, down from number one. And so it's becoming clear that Tennessee will not only need to win out, but they'll need a little help to get into the playoff. We will get into that in a bit. But first, guys, going back to, to last Saturday, a big opportunity for Tennessee, obviously, against Georgia. And, you know, really right from the beginning, didn't go great for Tennessee. I, I guess first few minutes of the game was okay. Georgia fumbled. Tennessee got a field goal. And after that, the entire first half was was all Georgia. And, uh, and really, I thought the game was was kind of over at halftime. Um, what, were, what were your guys' impressions of sort of what went wrong, why it went wrong for, for Tennessee and Athens? Well, the um, number one, I, I went into that game and I remember talking to a number of colleagues in the press box that covered the SEC like all of us have. And I said, where do you think Sanford Stadium ranks in terms of like noise and, and raucous environment? And this is before the game. And we all came up with eh, in the SEC, like fifth, sixth, seventh. You've got Tiger Stadium at LSU at night. You've got Neyland in the swamp. I'd probably put A&M in there. And then you could sort of Bryant-Denny at Alabama, Auburn, Georgia, and kind of throw all those together. Oh, and South Carolina would be in there also. So somewhere around the middle of the pack. Um, by the end of the game, I would say that's the loudest stadium I've ever experienced at, at any level. Now, I don't know if it is the loudest because it's an open-air press box at Georgia, so you experience all that sort of stuff. You know, Neyland, for example – is is uh, closed up we're behind windows so there's a there's a you know a muffled the crowd noise is muffled but it's it's if it's not number one it's pretty close I'll, I'll never walk into sanford stadium and think less of that crowd and so i can understand why that had quite a uh an impact on tennessee and how they played the bigger thing i think is this question of was tennessee's offense exposed or um, you know, is there some sort of, the, I mean, the word for the week is blueprint. I'll, I'll tell you guys that the, uh, if you watch the press conference with Alex Golish, the offensive coordinator this week, uh, our good friend, Jimmy Himes at, uh, sports animal asked the first question, which was, is there now a blueprint to stop your offense? And Alex, <laughs> Alex Golish said, <laughs> he paused and he said, what's the question? You know, kind of, what are you, what are you trying to get out of me? And, um, uh, Jimmy asked it again, and then he answered. Alex Gullish answered it, and then five of the questions went by, and which all led with, "Well, I'm moving on to Missouri." And then I had like the tenth question, and I said, "Alex, I'd actually like to go back to the <laughs> to Jimmy's uh, blueprint question, which got a little bit of a sigh." Um, and I, here's the thing with with those things: I, I'm a believer if you press somebody a, just a little bit, not force them but nudge them just a little bit with a follow-up question you'll usually get the most sincere honest answer and it, because they're a little perturbed so they'll tell you what they really think and Alex Gullish's answer was 
Um, Georgia has great players and they have a great scheme. Tennessee has great players and has a great scheme. Georgia played better than Tennessee. And he, he said we were absolutely not out-schemed. So that, that's the honest answer. The honest answer is Georgia has four- and five-star player. Tennessee has three and a few four-star players. Their players are better. The environment was really tough. If they play that game five times, Georgia probably wins it five times. In that setting, they for sure do. On a neutral site, maybe Tennessee takes one. At Neyland, maybe Tennessee takes one. But uh, Georgia is a notch above Tennessee right now, regardless of what the, the offense looked like. The question is now, is there is there that blueprint? I don't think there is to, to slow down uh, Tennessee's offense unless you have Georgia's talent and unless it's on in a setting like that. And who has Georgia's talent like that? I don't know, but Alabama usually does. They didn't entirely this year, though. Ohio State maybe. So the ce- that means the ceiling is Tennessee is still good enough to get in the playoff. Could they win the whole thing? If Georgia's in your way, I'd say that's pretty tough. Yeah, I think – Georgia does have great players, had a great scheme, but I still think it did some things that other teams neglected to do. I think other teams kind of just reconciled it's their, themselves to the fact, well, we can't get to Hooker enough, Hendon Hooker, quarterback Hendon Hooker, get to him enough to pressure him and affect the game. So it wasn't as intent on rushing the pass and pressuring him. Pressuring him. You go back and look at the Pittsburgh game. Pittsburgh had a really good front seven. And it kind of did, looking back now, it kind of did a pretty good job when you look at how many points Tennessee's been scoring. Pittsburgh did a a pretty good job. I, I think the key, three things stuck out. Georgia has really good cornerbacks, really good secondary, the best Tennessee's faced, better than their team last year. And they did a really good job on coverage. And their pass rush, led by Jalen Carter in the middle of that line, forced Hooker to uh, out of his comfort zone. The other thing I thought was significant was on the other side of the ball. Georgia really exploited Tennessee's secondary. I think if Georgia hadn't stopped passing, it'd have been in the upper forties, and that would have been maybe a five touchdown game. Tennessee was at a loss. Stetson Bennett at quarterback is pretty good, pretty accurate, throwing deep. Georgia doesn't have great receivers, but that's one of the things I took away from the game. They exposed Tennessee's secondary, and I don't think other teams have tried that enough. Uh, maybe because they didn't think their quarterback would have enough time to throw deep or whatever, but I, I, I do think that's something you talk about a blueprint. I would certainly look at that if I were a, a Tennessee opponent. Yeah, it, it's interesting. It, it was just a 14-point margin, but a big part of the reasoning for that, I think, was Kirby Smart, for whatever reason, took his foot off the gas. I mean, they, they got up by, Georgia got up by 21 points early in the second half, and it was almost as if Kirby thought, okay, we're good here. We're up by three touchdowns. This game's over. And it was raining throughout the second half, so I think that was part of it, too. Uh, why risk throwing you know, a pick six in the rain? You're up by three touchdowns. Tennessee hadn't scored a, a touchdown the, the whole game at that point. And so I think Kirby at that point was just like, uh, let's run the clock and take the win and get out of here. Georgia, they only threw the ball four times the entire second half. And so to your point, John, this game would have been a rout if, if the rain wouldn't have come and if Georgia would have kept throwing in the second half. 
this this would have been a route. Um, that that's the the truth of it. Um, I, I think Adam to Alex Golish's assessment. Um, you know whether it was scheme, not scheme, whatever. I, the thing that jumped out to me was Tennessee's receivers were were covered more than they have been at any point this season. And I think that's a testament to how good that Georgia secondary is. I mean, if we think about that downfield pass that Hinton Hooker threw to Cedric Tillman, one-on-one coverage, Keely Ringo was just in great position to intercept that pass. I mean, he looked like the intended target. We haven't seen that many times this season. Like, we've seen Tennessee's receivers get the positioning. They've been open. And Tennessee came into that game leading the nation in plays of at least 30 yards. Georgia did not allow a single play of 30 yards or more. So it was they took away the big shots. Um, Tennessee wasn't hitting downfield strikes. Hinton and Hooker missed, you know, maybe one or two, but really they're, they're just guys running free downfield as we've seen throughout all season. And that's a credit to, to the talent in Georgia's secondary. Yeah, I mean, th- there's never actually been a mystery of how you stop this offense. It's just people do not have personnel to do it. Uh, the, the way you s- stop Josh Hopple's offense, or I mean, it's a version of Art Browles and a number of other people. But if you can bring pressure with five guys or less, then you can then you can drop six guys. You can take care of coverage. Uh, you can have two safeties deep. You can spread the field out if you can bring pressure with five and. Georgia is good enough, especially in the middle, that they brought pressure with five sometimes. So then when they would bring a sixth guy, um, you know, it was more in a third and long when when Tennessee was already in a bad position to begin with. And then you add on the pre-snap penalties and all that, and Tennessee just got way behind the chains. But uh, and then and then if you're bringing more guys, your your secondary has to be good enough to to win one on ones, and other teams can't have not been able to do that. It's all a numbers game. Of, of where the defense is uh, committing to, the pass or the run, the middle of the field or the outside or deep or short. And uh, Hendon Hooker goes up there, and, I mean, I'm not minimizing it. It's really difficult, especially in, like, the seven seconds he has to do it. But you go up there and you count, and that's where the ball is going to go. And if your guys can win one-on-ones, it's, it's going to work. And Georgia is better up front than Tennessee. Georgia is better in the linebacking core than Tennessee. Georgia is better – at corner and safety than Tennessee, what they're matched up against. So if you've got that talent, you can you can do that, and most people don't have that talent. All right, guys, let's uh, let's move forward here and get into a little rankings conversation because I think that's where where most fans are are at here is is their thinking, which I know we're all thinking as well. Tennessee is going to win these next three games. They got Missouri, South Carolina and Vanderbilt. It would be something of a surprise if Tennessee lost one of those games. And frankly, it would be something of a surprise if Tennessee didn't win one of those games by at least multiple scores. So I think all of us are operating under the the thought that Tennessee is going to finish this season 11 and one. Will that be enough to get them in? And I think the, the undeniable takeaway from last night's rankings reveal is 11 and one might be enough to get them in if they get some things to fall their way elsewhere. They do not control with 100% certainty their postseason destination. They can't just win out and be in the playoff. They need some help. And so the let's let's go through the top six in the rankings here, and then we'll get into some scenarios. It's Georgia at number one, Ohio State two, Michigan three. Of course, they play each other later this year, Ohio State-Michigan. 
TCU is four, Tennessee's five, and Oregon six. Now, you might be thinking, okay, well, Ohio State or Michigan's going to lose, so couldn't Tennessee move into the top four just based on that? I don't think so, because we heard last night from the playoff committee chair that the committee doesn't see a difference in Oregon's loss to Georgia in week one, 49-3, and Tennessee's loss last week. Now, you can be uncomfortable with that explanation if you want, but that's what the committee chair said. He said he thought they were the committee sees those both as one-sided losses. They're not just going to go based strictly off the score differential. They see them both as one-sided losses. If you look at what Oregon has left on their schedule, they have three more opportunities for good wins, and then they could win the Pac-12 championship while Tennessee's sitting at home. I think it's pretty undeniable at this point. If Oregon wins out, uh, they would surpass Tennessee. So they they need some some help here um, to, to get in the playoff, I think. Yeah, with, with the Oregon scenario, Tennessee right now has, it, we're saying top 25 wins. This is according to the CFP rankings, not the other polls. Tennessee right now has three top 25 wins. LSU, Alabama, Kentucky. That's the best resume of any of these teams that are on the fringes. They have three. Oregon has one. But if Oregon wins out, they'll most likely have four. It's because they'll beat Washington, they'll beat Utah, and then they'll beat whoever's in the Pac-12 championship. And by the way, Tennessee has two top 10 wins. Nobody else has that in these teams that we're discussing. Oregon only has one, but they'll have two at the end of it if if, if they you know win the Pac-12 championship. So, yeah, Tennessee's ahead right now, but... Oregon sort of has the gas in the tank, so to speak, uh, to catch up with them. And Tennessee just can't really do anything about that. So, yeah, if, if Oregon wins out, um, Tennessee's going to be the team that's bumped at least one spot behind them. John, were there, was there anything in these these rankings that, I guess, surprised you from, from Tuesday night's reveal? Well, I thought the uh, committee had slighted uh, TCU initially, so I thought there was a possibility Tennessee would still be ahead of TCU. Uh, wasn't the case. So um, I think it's really, I think it's really interesting though, with when you talk about Oregon, there are a couple other PAC 12 teams with one loss and they have the opportunity to, to win, to accumulate good wins. I'm just wondering, you're talking about UCLA, Southern California. If one of those teams wins out, let's say uh, that would entail beating Oregon in a championship game. Uh, maybe they would look good to a committee too. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, so those are, that's one of the things I, I took away from it. That the committee doesn't just dismiss the PAC 12, which, and it kind of dismisses the, the big 12, I think the big 12 has a really balanced league, but it's maybe too balanced so that all these teams are beating up on each other. And that's why I don't think TCU will make it to the finish line unscathed. Nor for that matter, do I think Oregon will make it to the finish line unscathed. I see both those teams falling by the wayside, but, but back to your question, that was, that was really the only thing that surprised me. Um, LSU with two losses is getting a lot of love for, for what it's done lately. Uh, 
Yeah, the committee really, they they still love Alabama, and that's helping both Tennessee and LSU, the fact that they have wins against Alabama. Alabama's a two-loss team with um, not really a marquee victory this season, and they're still ranked number nine in these rankings. So both Tennessee and and LSU get a a real boost from that win. You know, whether you think Alabama's that good or not, I, I don't think they should be ranked number nine, but the committee does, and so I think that boosts both Tennessee. That's why Tennessee is is ahead of the pack among all the one-loss teams, and that's why I think you see LSU where it is, is the committee values Alabama so much. And, and John, you hit on a good point with the Pac-12. The committee really likes the Pac-12. You've got Oregon at 6, you have USC at 8, you have UCLA at 12, and you have Utah at 13. So you have four Pac-12 teams in the top 13. You know, behind behind the SEC, the committee seems to be saying they think the Pac-12 is the second best conference this year, which says to me that if Tennessee's counting on getting the last bid over a 12-1 and Pac-12 champion, whether that be Oregon or Southern Cal or maybe even UCLA, I think Tennessee's going to be disappointed if it comes down to 11-1 and Tennessee or a 12-1 and Pac-12 champion. I think the committee is going to go with the Pac-12 champion because it says it also says right in the committee's selection criteria that they value conference champions. Doesn't mean you can't get in if you're not a conference champion, but they say they value conference champions and they obviously value the Pac-12. So I do think a 12 and one Pac-12 champion, um, regardless of who it is, will be in the playoff. But Blake, I agree with you that that the one loss Pac-12 champion would get in over an 11-1 Tennessee. Uh, to simplify things, I don't think that would be the case if the if TCU were the if they if they lose one game but they're the Big 12 champion. I don't think it will apply to them. And the, and the difference is sort of what you're talking about about the value of the conference. And what John said too is that the Pac-12 champion will have like a top 10 and a couple of top 15 wins where TCU because there's so much balance in the Big 12 their best win right now is Kansas State at 22. If they beat Texas, Texas is 18, but Texas will probably fall out of the top 25 at that point because they're they'll be six and four. They're not going to be ranked, and then they would probably beat like Kansas State or Texas again or whatever the Big 12 championship. The point is that TCU, if they were to lose one game and then win the Big 12 championship, they would have one loss, but they would just they wouldn't they they may not even have a top 20 win at that point at the Big 12 champion. So if they lose, they go the way of Clemson. They they completely fall out of the conversation. Which, by the way, I, I, these guys are not supposed to be emotional in the picks. They're supposed to be looking at like spreadsheets and everything. But I did get a little bit of a sense of with Tennessee and Clemson from week one to week two, sort of a selling of the stock, uh, a little bit of um, <laughs> revenge. You know, like I believed in you. In that first week, UT, I put you number one, Clemson, I put you four, and I'm going to make you pay for letting me <laughs> buy into your business plan. And I'm, I'm selling the stocks. I do think there was a little bit of that, um, you know, I mean, they said Tennessee was, a, it clearly separated them, Ohio State and Georgia. It was those three, and then it was a clear separation after that. Uh, this was, uh, I think, I think this, putting TCU ahead of them, was essentially saying we're 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 not gonna we're not gonna buy into that again. You guys are in the second tier. 
Yeah, well, and, and some people are upset about that. Well, Tennessee should be four, TCU should be five, based on what they said last week. It doesn't matter because if TCU wins out, they're getting in ahead of Tennessee anyway. So whether you rank them four or five now, doesn't matter. They're not going to leave an undefeated Power 5 champion out of the playoff. So you might as well just put Tennessee uh, behind them now because now you know what the path is. I, th- I think, and I've written this a couple times, if you're filling out a, if you're a Tennessee fan filling out a wish list and say, well, what do I need for Tennessee getting in the playoffs? Your, your top two points on your wish list is you want Georgia to win the SEC. You don't want LSU winning the SEC and muddy in the waters, uh, which would send Georgia down in the polls. And it, it, it would just complicate everything for Tennessee uh, if LSU wins the SEC. So the first thing you need, you need Georgia to win the SEC championship. The second thing you need, you need TCU to lose at least one game. Um, if those two things happen, I think Tennessee has a pretty good chance of making the playoff. If either one of those things don't happen, Georgia doesn't win the SEC or TCU goes undefeated, I don't think Tennessee's making the playoff. Um, so let's get into a couple scenarios here, guys. I'm going to throw out a few things at you, and you tell me if Tennessee is in or not in in this scenario, and that might help unpack things a little bit here. Okay, let's say Georgia wins the SEC championship. Let's say Ohio State or Michigan, take your pick, wins the Big Ten championship. TCU goes undefeated. And Oregon, Southern Cal, or UCLA is 12-1 and as a Pac-12 champion. Is, is Tennessee in or out in that scenario? Uh, Tennessee's out. Uh, Georgia and Ohio State would be one and two. Um, and then Oregon and TCU would be three and four, one, one way or another. Yep, T- Tennessee would get would get bumped out of that. They would be sitting at home on championship weekend watching other teams impress the committee. They'd be number five. They'd be left out. I wonder in that scenario, though, uh, your Pac-12 scenario, mm-hmm. I agree with Oregon and USC. Mm-hmm. that they would be in if they went out. USC plays Notre Dame, doesn't it, still, also? Yes, yes. Uh, okay, that, that a win there would help. But UCLA got handled pretty well by Oregon, and it barely beat South Alabama. And I don't know how the committee would look at that, but to me, Tennessee would have a be- the best shot if UCLA won out. That's what – if I'm looking at the Pac-12 and and I and I as a Tennessee fan, you should look at it as, well, I'm pulling for UCLA. I would rather UCLA win out. If one team in that Pac-12, you want one, you want them all to lose. But if there's one that's going to be uh, win out, you would prefer it be UCLA. Yeah, that makes sense, John. UCLA is the lowest ranked at this moment. The committee values them the least of those of those Pac-12 one-loss teams. They're at number 12. So you might be right that if there was some way for Tennessee to get into this scenario I laid out with TCU being undefeated, maybe that would involve UCLA winning the Pac-12 at 12-1, at and one, and then the committee would have to decide between a 12-1 and one UCLA uh, or Tennessee for the final spot. To your point, if it's an Oregon or USC at 12 and one, I think there would be no chance. Um, all right, let's move on to a, a next scenario. In this scenario, it's what I just said before. You have, you have Georgia winning the SEC. You have Ohio State or Michigan undefeated winning the Big Ten. You have, a, let's say, Oregon or Southern Cal as a 12 and one Pac-12 champion. But now TCU has lost a game 
They've they've lost in the Big 12 championship. They they beat Texas this week. They're going into the Big 12 championship still undefeated. But oh no, the Frogs lost in the in the Big 12 championship. They're 12 and 1 now. Didn't win their conference championship. What happens in that scenario? Does Tennessee get the last spot? Or does does a 12 and 1 TCU as a Big 12 runner up get the last spot? TCU would be in the conversation. They wouldn't have a strong case. Michigan, let's say Michigan lost to Ohio State very, very close to field goal or something. Michigan would they would try to add some drama to that last show and say Michigan had a shot. They <laughs> they would not. Tennessee would get in in that scenario. The interesting thing is that Tennessee under under the parameters that we're saying, the committee would say Tennessee is the fourth best team in that bunch, but they would suddenly buy back all their Tennessee stock and move them to three so that they could play Ohio State in the Fiesta Bowl and they would not have the rematch with Georgia. So they would bump Tennessee from what five or six, wherever they're at, all the way up to three, rebuy that stock. And so, yes, Tennessee would make it in that scenario and you're playing Ohio State in uh, in Phoenix. Yeah, I agree with that. I think uh, TCU just, again, it's a very balanced league and you have a lot of teams that losing three games. So you don't have any standout wins. TCU doesn't. So, yes, that would definitely favor Tennessee. I, I think that's – I agree with you guys. The interesting thing, to your point, Adam, to see would be if if Oregon wins the Pac-12 – and in this scenario we're laying out, there's going to be no way for the committee to avoid a rematch of some sort because you're either going to have Georgia versus Oregon in the semifinal or you're going to have Georgia versus Tennessee <laughs> in the semifinal. And so the committee's hands are going to be tied at that point. Now, if, if USC were to win the Pac-12, I think you're absolutely right. Tennessee would be number three in that scenario. So where they can avoid the rematch with Georgia and then USC would be playing uh, Georgia in the semifinal, but but it, yeah. it, there 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 may be a case where the committee just simply cannot avoid a rematch if Oregon and Tennessee both make the playoff, and you have undefeated Big Ten champion. You're going to have to have either Oregon or Tennessee play Georgia in the semifinal. Well, I was told that Georgia Oregon game was a completely different season. That's what I was told. <laughs> <laughs> so happened so long ago, you really can't even count it. It was a it was a. I mean, Bo Nix just got there like the day before. Dan Lanning hadn't even moved into his office yet. That's a completely different season. That's not it's not a rematch. Also, it could be whether Oregon lost that by 46 points or 14 points. It's the same game. <laughs> so. I was in watching that game. It was one of the most dominant performances I've ever seen by a team against another nationally ranked team. If you would have told us that day that Oregon would be sitting here at number six in the yeah. rankings, yeah. I think we would all been. We would have all been shocked. I mean, there is something to be said for teams are allowed to get better as the season goes. And I think if if Tennessee had played Georgia in week one, it might have got blown out too. I think Tennessee's gotten better as the season's gone along. I mean, they needed overtime to beat Pitt uh, in week two. So I, I do think, you know, Tennessee was fortunate to have not played Georgia in the season opener. Oregon was unfortunate and, and they got blown out. And I think Oregon has gotten somewhat better as the season goes. I don't think the result of the game would be different or the outcome would be different if they played again. It might not be 49 to three this time around. Struggling in an opener. That sounds like a, are you moving on to LSU? Is that a segue? (laughs) Well, I got one more before I want to close with LSU, but I'm going to, I'm going to tweak this last scenario just a bit. So I said, TCU loses in the big 12 championship in the last scenario. 
Does it change your opinion, guys, if TCU, let's say, loses this Saturday to Texas and then runs the table and they win the Big 12 championship and they're 12-1? and one? You said if it came down to Tennessee or TCU for the final spot and TCU was 12-1 and one and had lost the Big 12 championship, Tennessee gets in ahead of TCU. I agree with you. What happens, though, if Georgia's undefeated, um, let's just say for the sake of this conversation, Ohio State's undefeated. They beat Michigan, and then they're, they're undefeated Big Ten champ. Oregon wins the Pac-12, 12-1. TCU loses to Texas on Saturday, but then runs the table and wins the Big 12 championship. Who's left out in that scenario? Is, is TCU still left out and Tennessee's in? I think Tennessee would still get in um, because I think any TCU loss bumps them out because of the the resume. T- Tennessee, I mean, Tennessee did benefit from the fact that the LSU-Alabama game the other night is that they beat both of those teams. So they didn't have to root for somebody. They have two top 10 wins right now with those two. TCU has no way to get a top 10 win. And even if Alabama drops out, you still have the top 10 win over LSU. What Tennessee has done so far isn't going to change much. It can't add to it, but its resume is not going to change much. It's still going to be really strong. TCU can't make up that ground if they were to lose a game. The only thing I think that would change is it would add more drama to the to the show, to the TV show at the end. Um, and, and maybe it would add a little bit more drama, a little bit more conversation. Let's say if Tennessee struggled in these next three games, if if they beat Missouri by, by a field goal and they have to rally at a tough environment at South Carolina and they lay an egg and beat Vanderbilt by a touchdown or something. You know, if, if they struggle in these next three in TCU, and TCU is on fire after that and they win the Big 12 championship, then it's more of a conversation. But for, for me, I still look at the full body work. I think Tennessee gets in, um, but I think it would make it more interesting. Yeah, I feel the same way about that. Uh, winning the Big 12 is nice, but uh, body of work, it still wouldn't be that comparable. So Tennessee would be in. I think also, I think also some of this is just, I mean, this committee is also supposed to, I, I think, kind of look at the two teams and say, hey, if they played on a neutral field, who wins? And in the scenario that we laid out, if Tennessee is struggling, they can maybe look at those and say, I think maybe TCU would maybe beat them. If Tennessee's beaten Missouri, South Carolina, Vanderbilt by, you know, three or four touchdowns, then they're going to look at that pairing and say, well, Tennessee would beat beat TCU, no questions. I think that would be in the conversation as well. Yeah, I think what we're getting at here, guys, continues to be TCU needs to lose. I mean, I hate to boil it down to like a simple sentence or, well, or maybe I should boil it down to a simple sentence or two. That, that would be the easiest takeaway, right? But what we keep coming back to is TCU needs to lose. TCU needs to lose. If, if TCU <laughs> loses, um, Tennessee's in, in good shape. And and I, I agree with you guys. I don't know if it matters so much when the loss happens for TCU. Um, I do think, to Adam's point, there would be more drama going into Selection Sunday if TCU lost this week and then won the Big 12 championship. Uh, but I think the end result is probably the same. If it comes down to 12-1 and one TCU or 11-1 and one Tennessee, I think Tennessee is going to get in. Um, all right, let's throw LSU in and complicate matters a little bit. Uh, LSU wins the SEC championship. So Georgia has a loss now. LSU is your two-loss SEC champion. 
let's let's do two scenarios with LSU. LSU wins a championship. Ohio State or Michigan is undefeated. TCU is undefeated. And let's say Oregon wins the Pac-12. They're 12 and 1. Who in the world is the committee going to take in that scenario? In that scenario, I think I'm sorry, Tennessee, you you are out. But you got five teams for four spots. Who who's who's the committee taking then? This I, this I think is the disaster scenario for the committee. By the way, good not yeah. Um, oh well, uh, Ohio State's undefeated. I'm just saying they beat Michigan. Sure, Ohio State is your one seed in that scenario. Um, I think Georgia would be the two as long as the game was close, and if LSU beat them, it would be close. I think Georgia would just drop back to the two. TCU's Uh, undefeated here, Adam. Yeah. um, I mean, so the last two spots are Oregon, LSU, TCU. Um, Good night. Uh, I mean, I almost want to boot LSU out of that, but there's no way they're going to take – they're going to kick out the SEC champion who just beat Georgia, who everybody still at that point would probably think was the best team in the country. So – um, Oregon would get kicked out of that. It'd be Ohio State, Georgia, Oregon at three, and LSU at. F- uh, I mean, I mean TCU and LSU. Oregon would get would get would be the fifth team left out. They they lost the game. They got blown out by Georgia. Suddenly, that would mean something. <laughs> well, John? yeah. I, I, see, I would have a hard time if I were voting. I just couldn't take a two loss team or. A, LSU two loss team over Tennessee. Uh, yeah, Adam just mentioned they consider who would win on a neutral field. Well, Tennessee beat LSU twenty seven points on its home field. I mean, to me, you should consider everything. You can weigh things more than others and so forth. But I still, I couldn't take LSU with two losses over Tennessee. I don't care what it did. So you're John, you're leaving LSU out of that scenario because of the loss to Tennessee, but you would not put Tennessee in because of that same win. Is that right? Well, yeah. Given the other, yeah, I would probably put Tennessee in if it had wins over, if it had wins over LSU, Alabama, you would have the committee take two teams from the sec, neither of which won the sec championship. Which you, your your goal is to get the best team for the college football playoffs, and to so you're me, going to take not the Pac-12 champion Oregon and not oh, the SEC oh, now, champion I'm, LSU. I'm just talking. I'm just talking about the SEC. Okay. I mean, if Oregon, I, yeah, if Oregon wins out, yeah, it's going to be in there. But uh, here's another. Here, how about this scenario? TCU. All those Pac-12 teams just beat up on each other. Notre Dame beats Southern Cal. Everybody in the Pac-12's got two losses. Uh-huh. TCU's got uh, one or two losses. The Pac, the Pac-12 and the Big 12 champions have two losses. Okay. You got Ohio State beats Michigan badly. So then you've got LSU beating Georgia for the SEC championship. See, to me, then you've got three SEC teams that could be in. You've been watching a lot of <laughs> SEC networks. <laughs> I actually, but, this sounds like uh, the the SEC network alternate. I think but, this is the the cable access feed. How's Alabama get in there, John? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I meant to mention Ole Miss. 
I forgot all this. <laughs> no, I, I just think if okay, you guys believe the SEC champions in. Okay. You believe that. Mm-hmm. So if 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 LSU wins out with two losses, it's in. You gotta put George in there with only one loss and it beat Tennessee head to head. You gotta put Ohio State in there. Pac-12, Big 12 all have two losses. You're going to put them ahead of a one-loss team, Tennessee team, who's yeah, only in your lost. Scenario, with... Yeah, in your scenario, you would get – I think you would get three SECs in. I just okay, don't think that's that scenario – that's my point. So. Yeah, I don't. I just don't think that scenario is going to – I don't think – Well, I know either. Yeah, I don't think there's enough games head-to-head with the Pac-12 for everybody to end up with two losses. So, I mean, yeah, it, it actually, I mean, it's possible that it could happen. It would just take a whole lot of scenarios. I mean, so Adam, what you're saying is it's okay for Blake to play the what if game, but when I play it, nah, yeah, that can't now, happen. What we want, John, is you just come up with a scenario where you can get Ole Miss in too at 11 and one and just have a four team SEC playoff where everybody else is sitting uh-huh. at home. I'm a, I'm a Southern boy. Yeah, when you, you, you were going to keep out LSU, John, uh, I, I thought that was uh, President Tate from LSU at the door coming back to take your, your degree back. But I thought <laughs> I heard that. They tried that before door. and it didn't work. I still have the degree. Do you guys think this is better or worse if we had the 12 team playoff this year? Are these shows better to watch and these conversations better or worse? Ooh. I, I think the four team playoff is working to perfection. This year, yeah. I, I think it had gotten stale for years and it, it gave everybody an appetite. Even I mean, they're they're expanding for money, right? That's maybe the biggest reason why they, they always do these things. Um, but also the 14 playoff had gotten so stale. I think there was an appetite for playoff expansion. It was this, for so many years. It was the same team. You could you could almost predict it at the beginning of the year at a minimum three out of the four teams that would make the playoff, uh, if not all four in some years. But now here the last two years. The four-team playoffs got a little more interesting. Last year, you had Michigan and Cincinnati as first-time qualifiers. Now, the national championship, I think, put a sour taste in the mouths of anybody that wasn't from SEC land. It was a rematch, Georgia and and Alabama. But you did have two new qualifiers. And then this year, you know, we're talking about all these scenarios that involve TCU or Tennessee. Well, those would be first-time playoff qualifiers or you know, the Pac-12 has not qualified a team since 2016. And and we got all this drama. I, I think the four-team playoff, this is the way it was intended to be. It, it I, does, think, I think it, we're finally seeing it. It does this year. I mean, I count nine teams that for four spots is what we're talking about. And that's that's what you want. So that's seven for the last two is what we're talking about in, what, three, four different conferences if you count Michigan. So, yeah, this, this is how it works. If – if this was a 12-team playoff, all these nine teams that we're talking about would would essentially probably all be in, and we'd be talking about, well, Clemson, can they get the 12, you know? Can Lane Kiffin, you know, win the Egg Bowl to get the 12? You know, I mean, that, I mean that, those would be fine conversations, but uh, we would also be factoring in the group of five team here, you know, if we're talking about who, who gets in. But, I mean, if – if we had the 12 team playoff this year, we're kind of talking about seeds and matchups. And I just don't, I don't think that's as, that's enjoyable at Thanksgiving when we're looking ahead to what's like the next game. I don't think it's enjoyable, you know, if you're going to have the show this early um, because, you know, oh, could Tennessee be playing, 
you know, UCLA in a month, in, in a month and a half, or could they be playing, uh, you know, TCU, who knows it, it, that, that doesn't, that doesn't enthrall me as much as who gets in. I think we, you go to that 12 team thing. I think it's going to be an absolute madhouse because when you look at how many teams have a shot at a, a four team playoff, you, you mentioned nine teams. When you start stretching that to 12, and I, I, I remember when I, I voted in the top, you guys have voted in the AP poll a lot too. Uh, you know what, once I get back into that second 10, I mean, they're just, it's kind of hard sometimes to sort through these teams. Think how many teams you will be looking at when you start talking about the last, if you think you've got nine teams that belong and you start talking about those last three teams, my goodness, it's going to be crazy time. Yeah. That's, that's what they want. I think, I think they want yeah, 30, they want 30 yeah. fan bases engaged <laughs> <laughs> up in, instead of 10 fan bases engaged here in November. But you're right, Adam. In, in some ways, the drama will reduce in November, I think, a little bit in the 12-team playoff era. But then we're going to have a deliciously entertaining playoff, I think. I mean, everybody's going to be tuned into those first-round playoff matchups. You know, 5 versus 12, 7 versus 11. Uh, people are going to watch that probably in a way that they weren't watching some of these bowl games. But it's like we just got to get there first. It's Interest may, may wane a little bit somewhere in the middle. You're going to have, instead of the one seed being the guy that's on TV, like last week, Josh Hopple or Sonny Dykes yesterday, you're going to have a split screen on the last day of James Franklin and Lane Kiffin in their offices on Zoom waiting to be, who, who's going to be the 12 seed after this break and just have two nervous guys on the screen. That, that, I guess that's better TV now that I think of it. James Franklin and Lane Kiffin for the last spot. Or maybe Dabo, maybe it may be a, a three shot and Dabo also in the, in the frame. Let's after get the, a, after the break. We'll do the reveal. Let's get a shirtless Brett Bielema in there at at, at seven and two from Illinois. <laughs> I mean, you know, just throw everybody in the mix. Get a yeah. get a four screen, a Brady Bunch screen. See as many guys as you can get in there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we won't muddy the waters anymore, guys. Uh, I think the you know we there are so many scenarios that can play out here, um, but really, you know, if you don't want to get too tricky for Tennessee, it comes back to Georgia win the SEC. TCU lose. That should be your that should be your mantra if you're a Vols fan here the next the next three weeks. Tennessee win out, Georgia win the SEC, TCU lose. Uh, etch, etch that in, in stone somewhere. Uh, we'll continue to follow it, guys, in, in the weeks that follow. Uh, good conversation and, and uh, hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Volunteer State.